0: Dramatic data is built around the fundamental principle that everybody has a story, but there's more to it than that because I believe not only does each and every one of us have a story, but that by finding the courage to tell our stories, to share our stories with the world, that we can improve the lives of others. We can strengthen our relationships with the people we love and the people who love us. And last but certainly not least, sharing our stories with the world can put money in our pockets. Yeah, ho out there, my friend, it's Aaron, and welcome to Dramatic Dad. This is episode four, and if you recall, all the way back in episode one, I promised that there were going to be interviews on this show. The first three episodes so far have been just me and Now I think we're ready to dive into one of those interviews, and this is a fun one. It's unlike any interview I've ever done. I have interviewed well over a 100 people for my various podcasts, most of whom I had never met before I interviewed them. And most of them I still haven't met since. And there were a handful of people that I interviewed who I had met in person, but certainly none that I would call a close personal friend. And today, I'm going to be chatting with someone who is a close personal friend. Her name is Marissa Mesner, and I invited Marissa on the show for a very specific reason. And that reason is that I see her as just the perfect example of the type of person that I want to help With this podcast, I've seen the positive impact that sharing my personal story has had on my life and on the life of my family and lives of people that I had never met before, and many of whom I may never meet. But just putting my story out into the world has had nothing but positive impacts. And now I want to empower others who think they might want to share their stories with the world, who think they can make a difference and possibly even turn it into a business and make some money by helping people with their stories. Marissa is a great example. She knows she has a story to tell. She has a burning desire to get that story out in the world to help people. She's very clear on the type of people that she wants to help through her story, through her message. And by me taking the time to really dig into Marissa's challenges and struggles with getting started in sharing her story because she hasn't started yet. She has an idea. She has clarity on where she wants to go, but she has yet to get started. And by me taking the time to sit down with her and really get into what those challenges are, I think that I can not only put myself in a position to help Marissa, but also gain insights that can help me help other people like her who have a story to tell, who Possibly are lacking courage or support or just the technical know-how to get a story or a message out into the world using technology. I want to be the go-to person for individuals looking to change lives with their stories. And sometimes the life that can change the most is your own. I'm building a business where the foundation of that business is my story. That's where it all began. When I started sharing my story, I started to build a network of people who connected with me because of that story. And over time, I've grown that network and started to make money. And my business is growing because I put myself out there and shared my story. But money aside, there is a freedom and a joy that comes from just truly laying it all out there, being yourself putting it all on the line, sharing your story with the world, and just flying in the face of ridicule and judgment. There's a whole lot of magic that can happen when you do that. And I want to be the person who can be relied upon to help individuals tell their stories. Without further ado, my friend, let's get right into it. This is my chat with my good friend, Marissa Mesner. We sat down over coffee right here in Our hometown of Sacramento, California. You're going to hear some real city sounds in the background, some cars, I think the motorcycle, even at one point. This is real life, my friend. This is my friend Marissa Mesner and me over coffee just a couple days ago. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to Dramatic Dad. Aaron Schlein here. I'm sitting next to my friend, my very good friend, Marissa Mesner. The reason I've invited Marissa on the show today, she has been a huge inspiration to. this podcast without even really knowing it we're going to get into that in just a minute because marissa has a story to tell and i've been thinking about her for the last several months and wondering how many other parents out there have a story to tell the way marissa does she's kind of dragged her feet a little bit getting out of the gates but she's at some point in the very near future she's going to get out there and she's going to get that story out into the world come hell or high water marissa welcome to dramatic dead
1: Thanks, Aaron. I'm so excited to be here. I really appreciate you having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Let me give you a little background. Marissa and I didn't really prep for this. She's hearing a lot of this stuff for the very first time, and that's exactly the way I wanted it. So Marissa's expressed interest in starting a podcast with the purpose of sharing a message. She believes she has a story inside her, a message inside her that can help others. And it's interesting because I feel the very same way. And Marissa, to me, is exactly the type of person that I want to help through this podcast. So I'd like to talk to Marissa about the type of people that she wants to help by starting her podcast or blog or however she chooses to get her message out into the world. So Marissa, first of all, just give us a little background on yourself and then let's get into exactly where you want to go from here.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a teacher and also a mother. In my journey to become a mom, it's been a lot of joy, but also a lot of... I would say challenges. So I feel that I want to send the message to other moms um, who might be struggling as well, the same way I did. I had postpartum anxiety. And when I went through that, I really felt alone. And like, I didn't know who to reach out to. And if I can even help just one other mom in her struggles or her journey, um, then that would make me feel very, very blessed.
0: Right. So you mentioned postpartum. Clearly there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different aspects to that. Can you point to one and and give a story that to to really paint the picture of the story that you want to tell of your own challenges and obstacles, how you overcame them, and then how you want to take that to moms who may be experiencing the same thing.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So basically, when my second son was born, he was uh, at when he turned six months old, um, I had gone to a doctor's appointment and uh, just like any regular doctor's appointment, but in the middle of it, I started not being able to feel my feet and my hands, and um, I didn't know what was going on at the time, but I was starting to have a panic attack, and I had never had one before, so I didn't know how to handle that. Uh, It was a scary experience for me. And from there, things just kind of got progressively worse. Um, I started being afraid to leave the house and go to the grocery store or even go to Target. Things I would do without even putting thought into. My anxiety just escalated and escalated to the point that I needed help because the thoughts I was having I knew weren't normal and the things I was experiencing were not normal And so the thing is when you have a mental illness, it's not like a physical illness, physical illnesses, you know, you can just call the doctor and the doctor can fix you up or you can have surgery to fix what's going on. But when it's in your mind, it's a whole different story. And so I felt because of that hopeless, like, am I ever going to get my mind back to the way it was? Um, Am I always going to feel this way? But I'm here to say two and a half years later Yes, you can get help. Yes, your mind is a muscle, so you can train it to go back to the way you are used to operating through counseling, through medication, and that's exactly what I did. There's also treatment centers, which I had no idea about any of this. So um, I think the biggest thing I would want to help other people with is just knowing that there are so many options for help and so many different avenues you can take to get yourself help. And that you're truly not alone because there was a point in my journey where I really felt alone. I didn't think anybody would understand what I was going through. I didn't feel like I had means of getting help. And I really didn't know who to turn to or where to begin.
0: So tell me about any reach out or any research you may have been doing at the time, if any
1: to be honest, my anxiety was so strong that I couldn't research because everything I read would just scare me that much more. So, um, finally I just said, I, I got a counselor, talked to her and she was helpful. But to be honest, my first counselor I had wasn't the right match for me because, um, it turns out I needed something called cognit- cognitive behavior therapy and, um, I wasn't getting that. So I wasn't, we're seeing the results, I was hoping. What to is see. that exactly? Just real quick. So, cognitive behavior therapy is um, basically retraining your brain. Um, they give you techniques and tools you can use that when you have a trigger, instead of letting the trigger escalate to where it consumes you, you're able to stop that trigger using the tools that you gain in this therapy and actually it's called CBT or the initials. It's used for a handful of things. People can use it for menopause. Women going through menopause are often using CBT, um, depression, a variety of different mental illnesses, people with post-traumatic stress disorder. And so through, Through counseling, through the CBT, and um, then I eventually, I fought getting on medicine because I just really wanted to try to like do it on my own. I've never been a huge fan of medicine, but at the end of the day, when I was so afraid to even drive on the streets, and I had my children in the car with me, and I would be like physically trembling inside, it just didn't seem safe driving my kids around that way, and so for their sake, and also for my husband's sake, I ultimately decided I should try the medicine. Mm -hmm to To calm my anxiety so that I could get to a point where I could heal and function and just so, just for some
0: context, mm-hmm. you touched on this a little bit, but this anxiety this was all mm-hmm. brand brand new to you at the point oh, this was yeah, you. nothing you'd ever no experienced thanks yeah, let
1: before. me go back. so yeah, never in my entire life had I ever experienced anything like this. so I think that was another thing is that at I was thirty eight at the time. At 38 years old, having never gone through that, and then just to wake up one day and your whole world is different. I mean, the way you see things, you're scared to do anything. It's It was terrifying. So ultimately I did make the choice to start um, Zoloft, which is a pretty common, it's called an SSRI, uh, which is an antidepressant essentially. For anybody, Zoloft can be prescribed for anxiety, depression, OCD. So I decided to start the Zoloft and, um, that in itself was a journey, which I can always touch upon another time. But, uh, in the end, I'm glad I took it because it did help me get to a place where I could function enough, um, that I could focus on recovering and really getting the most out of my therapy. So I think the combination of having the Zoloft and the CBT therapy for me was life-changing and I can proudly and happily say I am definitely at a point where I feel like myself again but the last two and a half years was was quite a terrifying journey
0: imagine you're not a behavior therapist you're not a cognitive behavior therapist and and as far as I know you don't have any plans to become one No. (laughs) but if you position yourself as say the conduit between the person who needs help and the help that they need. You're the one sharing your story to hopefully get, get these people's attention. And then you can share your message of, of getting help. What type of person, say, if you flip on, a, so imagine yourself two and a half years ago, you flip on whether it's a mm-hmm. podcast or a television show or the radio, anywhere, and you hear a message from an individual that would just sing to your heart in that moment. Who would that person be and, and what would they say? Because that's going to be you. 100%.
1: Um, it would be somebody who's gone through what I've gone through, Um, a a friend, um, another mom, just, or even a dad, like just a person who has gone through depression, anxiety, and who can get, who's, who's on the other side now, who's in recovery, who can tell you it's going to be okay. Um, It isn't hopeless. Uh, You're not alone. That's, I think, And I did have a girlfriend who I did reach out to um, during all of this who had gone through what I did. And she was extremely helpful in making me feel like I wasn't alone.
0: Dig into that a little bit more. What were some of the conversations? What was some of the specific support that she provided?
1: I distinctly actually remember one night uh, it was a, I just put my kids to bed and um, I was having a real hard time mentally and in a really not great place. And I just truly felt alone, like none of my family members could understand what I was going through, which obviously your family members are the people that you love the most and that love you the most and can understand you the most. And so to feel like those people can't even understand you really made me feel very isolated. So I I knew my girlfriend had gone through this and I reached out to her at nine o'clock at night and I sent her a text message and I just said to her, I truly feel hopeless and alone. And she took, texted me back immediately with all these wonderful quotes, inspirational stories about herself, telling me I'm not alone. There is hope. And even though at the time I didn't necessarily buy into what she was saying, it helped me calm down enough for the night that I could get to sleep and recharge myself for the next day. And so just having somebody I could reach out to, no matter what time of day, was the biggest help
0: just knowing that, that 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 lifeline was there when you needed yes. it and you touched on a really interesting point that i think is not talked about enough and that there's not there's just not that that quick instant solution there's not that one yeah. inspirational bit of wisdom that's going to just turn everything 180 degrees and right. make everything perfect it's about getting you to the next day, getting you through that mm-hmm. night to the next morning. And then you might have to start over at square one again the next night when you put your kids yes. to bed. But knowing that you have that lifeline and that you can get to the next day and the next day yes. and the next day, that that is is incredibly valuable. And as opposed to looking for some silver bullet that's just going to fix everything in one fell swoop, because that's just not,
1: not for better or for
0: worse, it's not realistic. So to me, it's, what it sounds like is that the connection you had to this particular friend is the type of connection that you are hoping to provide yes. for other women who are in this position. Yes. Okay, so let's let's talk about specifically how you're going to do that because this is a friend, someone obviously you knew, you had her number, you could text her at nine mm-hmm. o'clock at night, no problem. So if you are gonna build a platform based on your ability to help these women. Tell me about where you, you hope to start and how you hope to, to start that reach out.
1: Okay, there's a couple things. I was hoping to start a podcast is my one of my first thoughts because to me, that's one of the quickest ways to reach multiple people. In one sitting. And so I was hoping to start a podcast called The Circle, where basically women can feel like they're in a support group without actually having to go to one if they don't have time to leave the house. Because a lot of moms are busy. They don't have time to get out of the house and go to a support group. Uh, but they might have time to listen to a podcast while they're doing the dishes or um, the baby's taking a nap. And so I was just hoping that I could have... Other moms, and it doesn't have to just be moms, it could be dads, people come on this podcast who can share their life experiences, basically a way for people to realize that we're all part of the human experience and we're all going to have challenges in our life and it's all about reaching out for help and having resources to give you the strength to make the most of your life and, or, or overcome those challenges you're facing in your life. So that was sort of my initial thought for this podcast. Um, Honestly, another thought I've had is, you know, you go to these, support. I've been to support groups and they're helpful, but they're not people you know. I think it's a lot more meaningful if you're with a group of friends or people that you're familiar with. It doesn't have to be close friends, could be acquaintances, but starting almost like a, a neighborhood mother's group, not a sense of children having a play date mother's group, but moms coming together almost in this format of a book club. But instead of talking about a book, uh, we're talking about challenges we're facing in motherhood, things we've been through just to kind of get it off our chest. Sort of like a giant counseling session with your girlfriends over a glass of wine.
0: I love that. And there's, there's, there's so much, you, you really spoke to me and a lot of what you were saying there and the book club analogy. I like, well, actually backing up from that, even just <laughs> the comparing it to the play date, which is, really for the kids. Maybe there's some socializing, but the idea that as parents, that we give ourselves permission to do things that are just for us right. or to connect with our friends or to get together with our, our friends for no other reason than just to connect with our friends. You know, not just to, Oh, let's get the kids together. Let's do a play date. Let's do something they want to do. And maybe we'll have a little fun as well, but giving ourselves, truly giving ourselves permission to be grown-ups and connect with the people that make us whole and no, certainly no, mean no disrespect to our children, but there's Parts of our soul that they just can't fill. Maybe they're little slivers of our soul because they fill up a lot of space. But there's, I just feel like there's more and more pressure to make your life all about your kids. And if you're not doing that, that somehow you're a bad person or you're a bad parent or that you're going to someday regret not spending every waking moment with your child. It's a personal decision that everybody has to make. That's my personal take.
1: You know, and it's interesting you bring that up, Erin, because um, when in conversations with my counselor, she believes that one of the reasons. I went from basically okay to not okay is the fact that I was not giving myself enough self-care. I wasn't putting myself before my children. I was putting my children before myself. And it's essential, especially as a new mom, that you make it a priority to put yourself first and take care of yourself. Because if you're not good, then how are you going to be good to take care of your own kids? So it's really important to carve out that time, even if it's a half an hour that you go in your room, shut the door and read a book, whatever it is that makes you feel recharged.
0: When, they're, when you're on an airplane, Marissa, what is it they tell you about when, about whose mask exactly. to put on first?
1: My counselor always uses that analogy. <laughs> you got to put your own air mask on first before your children.
0: Otherwise you're no good to them. Right. Yeah. And another thing you touched on, probably maybe unintentionally, but talking about potentially reaching out to dads or connecting with dads, whether or not dads will connect with this message specifically. It's, it's debatable. Maybe you'll find Mm -hmm. out over time, but one thing that I've discovered over the last year in my own relationship with my wife is by just taking a little time to listen to the occasional podcast that I know she likes it gives me a little bit of insight into what she's thinking because I know there's podcasts that she listens to religiously because I see them. Right. We share an iTunes account and I see the podcast <laughs> she's subscribed to. So I'll, I'll listen and it'll, it'll give us something to talk about. And it gives me a little bit of insight into what she's going through by listening to the podcast that I know she likes. And I think in your situation, if you are able to build an audience of women that maybe the husbands are partners of these women, just by listening to hearing you put their concerns and challenges into yeah. your own words might empower them to be better partners.
1: No, you know, it's the reason I'm saying dads is, um, you know, it's not just about the moms. I mean, dads are going through the challenges of adapting to new parenthood as well. And it's different types of challenges, but it's still, we're all um, having to adjust our lives from single, you know, or just married without children to having children. And my poor husband, when I was Mm -hmm. going through all of this, He was like, what is happening to my wife? And it was equally disturbing and upsetting and scary for him because I'd be calling him. I'd have to pull off the side of the road and call him at work to talk me down from a panic attack, you know, and so there might be other dads out there whose wives are going through, let's say some postpartum things or any other challenge and they feel helpless just like my husband did. And so it might be a good forum for those men to hear that they're not alone either and get some tips on how they can be supportive and um, also take care of themselves. You know, the dads need self-care too. So
0: one of the things my wife, my wife is a marriage and family therapist, which of course, Marissa, you know that. And one of the things she told me very early on in our relationship and I'll never forget it was just the importance of discussing discussing dicey topics out of the moment like so your panic attack situation if somehow finding an opportunity to discuss those moments but when you're calm and not in the thick of that moment but unfortunately in a relationship especially with kids we rarely carve out time to have those conversations except in the moment when they're just this fire that's burning and you, you have to address yeah. it in the moment
1: right Well, I don't know if this is like, I might be kind of derailing here, but I've learned that actually over time, if my husband does something that maybe I don't like the way he parented our child, um, rather than trying to essentially scold him in that moment, he and I need to be on the same page is what I'm trying to say. So what I've learned is to bite my tongue, formulate my thoughts talk to him later at a at a better time. And we tend to have better conversations that way versus me just firing at him uh, right there, then and there. He'll listen better when I try to just hold it in and then go to him later on when he's calm.
0: So guilty of that. I, <laughs> I can relate with your husband 100% because you feel like you're being called out and made a spectacle of in yes. front of the whole world, even though nobody really cares. We know that. But right. it, it's like, but if you I tell my wife, if you just... Pull me aside later yes. and tell me what was going on, yeah. rather than. And she understands that. That's just a, that's a very important thing to to learn, and it but it takes a lot a of self discipline. <laughs> it's a skill. It's like so many things in life that we're you know we go through school thinking that the, the skills, the important skills we need to learn are math and reading and science. That's only the beginning. That's that's small potatoes compared to. Problem solving Real skills. problem solving, and <laughs> self-awareness yes. and relating to others and knowing that person A is not going to respond the same way as person B to the same yes. situation. And if you can be adaptable and empathetic, you can go a long way in this life just on that. And
1: I have to say my struggles, my journey have actually made me a better person, a stronger person, and they've taught me a lot of amazing lessons. And that being one of them, not everybody thinks the way I think, and I can't expect them to. That part of having a good marriage is being respectful, um, that your partner, your husband, your wife doesn't think the same way you do. You need to find, like you said, a time to kind of just step back and evaluate what really matters what do I really feel like I need to discuss with him versus what can I just let go?
0: Interesting. And I think
1: that comes with time.
0: It it certainly does. And, and experience. Then, <laughs> and by the time you're about, you've know, been 40 or 50 years into marriage, you'll have it down pat. Right,
1: exactly.
0: So let's move on. Let's talk, let's talk about the podcast. Just a little, again, a little context about this conversation. So you, Marissa, you've been very clear about your message and the type of people that you want to help. So this podcast that we're talking on right now, Dramatic Dad, is about empowering other people, especially parents, because parents are very near and dear, near and dear to my heart, empowering them to tell their stories and the magic that can happen when you do find that courage to put your story out into the world. And I want to be that person who can get people over the hurdle. I want to be the person that someone can call or text at nine o'clock at night when they're struggling the way your friend did for you. So I want to help you share your story, whether it's through a podcast. It sounds like you're committed to that, which I love. That's my favorite. (laughs) So what's, what are your biggest challenges at this point? fears about putting yourself out there, technology around opening or starting a podcast. What are your biggest struggles right now?
1: So honestly, my biggest struggle is time, you know, trying to fit it in between raising children and I also work and then, you know, just technology. (laughs) I am not, um, a very technological person. So overcoming, learning how to, um, for example, connect a microphone. <laughs> but no, you know what? It's not fear because honestly, I'm excited to spread my message and to share my message. And even what we talked about today, it's just sort of like the the top layer. I mean, there's so much more that I have to share. And um I feel like I have barely touched upon it. you know, so just really getting that message out there is not something I'm afraid of. I'm really looking forward to it. It's mainly just time and technology. The two T's.
0: The <laughs> two T's. Well, I, as your friend and practically neighbor, Marissa and I live about a half a mile yes. apart. I am happy to help with any of the two T's or any other T's that come up. Thank Fortunately you. for you, that's never going to be an obstacle as long as I'm in your corner and I'm not going anywhere. You said something really interesting. Marissa and I were chatting a couple minutes before we hit record. We're talking about public speaking and you said, I can get up in a room full of strangers and talk all day, no problem. But you put me in a room in front of a bunch of people I know. It's a totally different situation. Tell me about that.
1: Yes. Because there I'll, are
0: going to be people you know listening to this podcast.
1: Right. And you know what? I'm not looking at them, though. So that doesn't make me nervous. Um, I don't mind that they're hearing me. It's that strangers, I don't know you, so I'm not worried so much about what you think. Um, I mean, yes, I, I I, hope you think good things. But, but with people I know, it's so much more personable. And I think I get more emotional because... I love the people usually that I'm talking to. If they're people I'm familiar with, I care about them. So it's more of a stronger message, stronger emotion, a stronger connection. Whereas in public speaking with people I don't know, I don't have that same connection. And so it's less intimidating for me. And I tend to wear my emotions on my sleeve and I'm very passionate. And so my emotions can get the better of me. And I, I, I think I'd just be embarrassed if I teared up in front of people mm-hmm. I know, or couldn't get through it because I started crying. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons that I'd rather speak in front of the people I don't know.
0: That's, that's an interesting. Just, just, you painted a good picture there. I'm imagining someone sitting on stage trying to find their words because they're overcome with emotion to a certain point. I mean, obviously you don't want to turn into a puddle of goo on the floor, but that emotion is, is real and relatable True. and you know, there's a fine line la- or, you know, there's that, that balance between the blubbering mess and robotic. Right. You got to find that, that sweet spot. And, and I'm, I know you're going to do it. It's just one of the things, one of those unexpected unforeseen challenges that I know I went through is the idea that I'm not just talking to, to people who are tuning into my podcast because they want to hear my message. I'm also possibly talking to my friends and my family who are just tuning in to see what the hell's Aaron doing. Right. <laughs> And and just trying to be myself all the time, so they don't tune in and say, "Who the hell is this guy? I don't know this. er (laughs) Who is this character he's putting on on the on the podcast?" I just try to be myself all the time, and I know you've got that going for you. I've only known you a couple of years. I think it was after you had gone through most of your your struggles that I met you. And one thing I can say about your personality is that you are one of these people that I admire because you're you're the same person all the time. You're not putting on different faces for different people. You're just, you're Marissa well, all the time. You. And I think that's going to go a long way in spreading your message and making you relatable that people know that whether they meet you in person, see you speaking on stage or on a podcast, they're getting the real Marissa all the time, 24 seven. And that's a, that's a, that's a huge compliment.
1: Well, thank you. And I actually would say the same about you, which is why I think you're just so successful at what you're doing.
0: Well, that did not come naturally. Well, it, it, I, it, I don't want to say it, it didn't did. come naturally, <laughs> it, but it's, it took work and it took, it, it took a bit of courage to just be, yeah. to not feel compelled to adjust my personality and my message to whomever was standing in front of me.
1: Well, and I think that that actually what you just said, if you want to do what we're doing to make a difference to other people, you 100% have to be able to be real and put it all out there because otherwise people aren't going to be able to relate to you and and then you're not doing what you're supposed, said you said you're going to do.
0: Doing what you say you're going to do. That's a great segue to my next question is let's get very intentional. Let's give you a little bit of accountability here. Let's set a date. When are we? <laughs> when's this podcast launching? When can we tune in? When can we get in the circle, Marissa?
1: My goal is January first, twenty twenty. I thought it'd be a great way to kick off the new year with a brand new podcast. My my goal is to start getting them all ready, recorded, you know, over the summer because I'm off for the summer since I'm a teacher, and get it going, you know, through the fall and then release the first one, uh, the first of the year seemed like a good New Year's resolution to start off with.
0: All right, let's fill in a little bit of those gaps with some specifics. You mentioned recording episodes over the summer. Love that. So tell me about what's the format like? Who are you going to be reaching out to for guests? How are you going to get that recording done and overcome that technology? Reverse engineering is really important. And since you have that firm date in the future, right. January 1, we're going to work backwards to May 31st, right, which is today. What are you going to do? What do you need to do from May 31st to June 1 to make sure that that podcast launches with a bang on New Year's Day?
1: (laughs) So, well, number one, I need to line up some guests. And actually, I had texted Aaron, I think it was, I don't know, maybe five, six months ago. One night at one o'clock in the morning, I just woke up with this idea for a podcast. I wanted to call it The Circle because I wanted to be kind of sitting around in a circle with your friends, like a support group where you step inside the circle to think outside the box. And so we're going to come together to think outside the box as moms, as people, and be there for one another. And so my first goal is to just get some guests lined up since I would be releasing this in January, um, and January is always a time to set resolutions and you know goal setting for the year, my first month is going to be called "So Many Balls, So Little Time," and it's just about how do we juggle all these different aspects of our lives—motherhood, fatherhood, working, your your own hobbies that you enjoy doing. And so, I would get guests on that are real life people, like obviously moms and dads and uh, business people who want to share how they do it all. How do they juggle everything so in I uh, would be focusing on parents and how they juggle everything with kids with a career, taking care of themselves in addition to that. Another aspect I was hoping to tie in with the month of January is you know we're always wanting to start working out and weight loss and things like that. So I was going to tie in not only how do you juggle it all, how do you work and have your hobbies and take care of your kids all at the same time, but in addition to that, um, getting advice on healthy eating, maybe healthy recipes we can share, uh, ways you fit in working out and taking care of yourself. So that would be my first month. And so my goal is to maybe line up even somebody from California Family Fitness, somebody to come on and speak about you know, the importance of exercise uh, and your mental health or even just your physical health.
0: Right. Always tying it back to that, that core message. That's one thing I've, I've learned and iterated on as I've, as I've gone through my you know, several podcasts that I've posted over the past couple of years, you can, you can branch out in terms of, of your guests and even on your topics, but you got to always tie it back to that core message.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, definitely always. Uh, my goal is to always keep the circle where it's geared towards moms helping moms, women helping women, um, or even, you know, like I said, reaching out and helping dads and, uh, you know, just people helping people.
0: <laughs> Great. So tell me about geography. Are you looking to keep it Sacramento based? Marissa and I both live in Sacramento. Right. Are you, are you looking to interview people from all over?
1: I mean, I definitely um, am open to branching out of Sacramento. I would say probably initially my comfort zone is Sacramento. Cause I know I have a pretty good community base here, but as time goes on, yes, I would love to reach out to other people and all over the country.
0: Well, I think that's a I, that's, I think that's a great plan, whether it's intentional or not. But just starting small, and local that'll give you a chance to to learn and figure out what works and what doesn't. And then as you start to hit your stride, you, you start branching out. And assuming that a lot of the universal lessons, universal principles that you learn with Sacramento moms and dads will be able to apply to moms and dads right. everywhere. Exactly. Love that! Super excited and super excited to be part of this, and get you on the mic for the first time.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I really am so grateful for this opportunity.
0: Oh, absolutely, and we're gonna we're gonna hold you accountable. So January first, <laughs> we're tuning into the circle. Step inside the circle and think outside the box, That's Marissa. Right. And we're gonna exactly. we're gonna here to to join you on the journey, and we're gonna check back in over the next few months and see where you're at, and uh, keep keep your story out there and get folks excited for. January 2020, yes. it's going to be here quicker than you think.
1: And I look forward to switching roles, where I'm interviewing you, Aaron. And oh, can't wait! You're the guest. I love that.
0: That's <laughs> it's so nice to just sit back and answer questions right. instead of being the one to always ask them. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Marissa, we're going to leave it here. I know you got tons more to say, but we're going to we're going to leave it here. Going to leave keep folks uh, guessing a little bit. What's coming next? Real pleasure Perfect. having you on the show.
1: Thank you, Aaron. It's been great.
0: Well, hello there, my very good friend, and you must be a very good friend if you're sticking around all the way to the end of the show. Just wanted to let you know that if you're enjoying the podcast, there's a whole lot more. Everything in my world, in the Dramatic Dad universe, it's all happening over at AaronSchlein.com. That's double A-R-O-N-S-C-H-L-E-I-N, com. That's where the magic happens. Go ahead, check it out, and we'll be talking again real soon. Bye. How's that for dramatic?